You're listening to a message provided by Antioch Bible Baptist Church in Gladstone, Missouri. We intend this to be a helpful resource to you as you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. This is intended especially for those who are unable to attend our worship gatherings and therefore were unable to hear the teaching of God's Word. This should not replace your gathering with our church as a member. If you're checking us out for the first time and are looking for a church to visit, we hope that you enjoy this content and that it impacts you personally. Thanks for listening. Hello, my name is Phil Long. And my name is Vala. And we are your missionaries to Madagascar. First, for those of you who may be new to us and the ministry in Madagascar, here's some information about our Big Red Island. Madagascar is the fourth largest island in the world. It is an African country, but it sits off the southeast coast of Africa. Madagascar is home to 18 to 20 indigenous people groups or tribes, as well as several large immigrant people groups from the continents of Europe, Asia, and Africa. It's home to over 26 million people. While many people claim to be believers in Jesus, Madagascar is a synchronistic culture mixing animism like ancestor worship with Christian or Islamic faith. In 2014, God called us back into foreign missions. My husband and I were getting ready to turn 40 years old. So we packed up our teenage kids and started deputation. We finished deputation in 2017 and headed to France, where we spent nine months learning one of the two languages that are used in Madagascar. When we arrived here in May of 2018, we spent the next year studying our second language and learning more about our new home and culture. In late 2019, we began to pray with another missionary family about venturing out together for our first church plant. We set a launch date in 2020, but then, as you know, COVID began making its way around the world, and it wasn't long before it shut everything down in Madagascar. Our plans were to begin the church later on that year. However, we began to pray about how we could help the people in the area where we would plant the church during what we would later realize was only our first lockdown. It was April 2020. That month we received some surprise gifts. So our new ministry team got together and decided that because so many people were not able to work, we would do a food outreach. For three weeks, we gave away rice, beans, soap, and the gospel. People began to ask us, where is your church? We want to come. But the truth was is we hadn't even started the church yet, but we took that as a prompting to start right away. We found a location to rent so we could meet, but after the first three weeks, we'd outgrown it. That's when God put us in contact with a school that has great facilities, and they allowed us to begin meeting there. Once we made that transition to school, God began to bless, and things really began to take off. People began to come. They had children, so we began a kids' church. Things were going so well until the COVID cases began to rise again, and we were shut down for a second time. We wanted to keep teaching the Malagasy people who God brought our way. Many didn't have access to internet or social media, so we went old school we started a radio program. That went great, and when we were able to meet again, we discovered that we had a family who had heard us on the radio and they started coming as well. At that point, we had a few teenagers that were coming and we made a decision to start a Sunday morning youth time before regular service. Not only did our youth who were already attending the church come, but students from the English classes we teach in order to maintain our visas began to come as well. Then we realized that over 95% of our kids have no father in the home or being raised by single mothers. That's when I, along with four young ladies from our ministry team, began a ladies' ministry where the ladies receive extra teaching and they love it. Then COVID shut us down for a third time, but this time the shutdown was only on the weekends. So we began to meet during the week on Thursday and Friday at our partner's home. Once the third lockdown was lifted, we went back to having church on Sundays, but the students wanted to continue meeting during the week. So. Our ministry team began to pray that God would open a door for us to meet with our church students while also reaching unchurched teens and university-age young adults in the area. In August, the head teacher at the school where we meet asked if we'd be willing to start some English clubs for our students. 
Bala and I and our team went home and drew up a plan for English clubs, and when we presented the plan to her, we asked, Madame Fonza, since we're already at the school, can we have a Bible study for teens and young adults afterwards? Her response was, well, actually I was going to ask you if you would be willing to do a Bible club here during the week. So, at the beginning of September, we launched Foundry Student Ministries. I teach, but the students we have taken or are taking through the discipleship program are leading everything else on their own, reaching students from our area. It's our desire that we start student ministries like Foundry all over the capital city, filtering the young adults that we reach into our local churches. So to sum up the last four years of ministry, we have been in Madagascar for almost four years now. We learned French before coming here. We have learned Malagasy since being here, although we are not extremely fluent. We have planted a church, started a youth program that we want to see become a citywide outreach. We have taught three Malagasy young ladies how to run a large children's ministry. We have had the discipleship material we use translated into Malagasy. Malagasy people have been discipled, and most are now discipling others. We have seen people saved. God is doing amazing things all in this animistic culture. None of this could have happened without your prayers and support. As for the future, we have a vision for what we would like to accomplish long term. Madagascar is in desperate need of the gospel. The task is huge. Just as the children of Israel fought battles, we have fought some exhausting spiritual battles the last 40 years. Much like Canaan, there are spiritual giants in this land, but we do not want to wander in the wilderness because of our unbelief. We want to have faith that God will give us this big island which He's called us. As we continue to move forward, we ask that you be praying with us. At the end of this year, we'll be turning over our portion of the ministry to nationals to carry on. Then next year, we'll begin laying some groundwork to plant a second church in a different part of the city. The task is huge, but God is faithful. Just as Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5.24, He who calls you is faithful, who will also do it. As we finish up, let me say over the last few years, we have seen God do much more than what we ever could have anticipated. A church was launched, people are hearing biblical teaching, and many hearing the Word of God for the very first time. People have been saved and baptized and have been taken through discipleship. This is not because of the wrongs. It's because of our faithful God and because of your faithful prayers and support. So we want to say thank you so much. Amen to that? Yeah, man, way to go. Yeah, let's clap for that. You guys have been busy. Yeah. Yeah, even in the midst of COVID, it's been busy season. Hey, one of the things that I like to do is just get to know you as individuals. And uh, so, you know, we see your ministry, right? We hear about what's going on there, but I, I like to know our missionaries on a personal level. And so tell us a little bit about your family, where you grew up, how we end up in Madagascar, but, but starting with your family and, and, and those things. do our family. Well, um... Obviously, I'm Bella. This is Phil. Our son, Deacon, is here. He's the youngest of four. Um, he's a senior in high school. He's 18 years old. Our oldest daughter is Tabitha, and um, she and her husband, Matthew, are going to Germany to reach displaced people groups at the end of this year. And then Philip, uh, our oldest son, served his last day in the Navy this Friday. So he is flying here tonight to spend some time with us. So we're super excited to see him. And then Gabriel, our middle son, 
is at SBU studying for missions as well. So we're excited to see what God will do for him. And I'll let Phil talk about how God called us to Madagascar. So I was on staff as the outreach pastor at Abundant Life Church down in Lee Summit. And um, we'd been there about six years. And Pastor Phil had taken the staff down to Branson to cast vision for what he wanted to see happen at the church and with the church over the next several years. And and I got to be honest with you, when he cast that vision, I was super excited because most of it had to do with uh, the outreach ministry, which was my portion. And I was excited when I left. But when, when, we, when we left the parking lot of the, of the retreat, I just felt like the Lord was saying, I've got something different for you. And, and so I expected uh, to go back to, to work. I didn't feel like the Lord was telling me to put together a resume, but I just thought if God was ever going to move us from abundant life, it would be in the role of a senior pastor somewhere. And and so I honestly felt like, I assumed that Pastor Phil would come into my office, which he would do every once in a while when a church would call and ask, say, hey, would, would any of your staff be looking for a senior pastor role? And that's how I thought it would happen. But it was actually during a, a mission conference, um, we, uh, our missions pastor, he actually hurt his back or something. And so he was laid up for several days. So Val and I had to jump into the to the lead role with that and and God actually used a, a missionary lay to say I'm I'm tired of asking people to pray about coming to Tanzania just come and it was like the Holy Spirit said okay that's that's what I want for you I want you back on the mission field and so we began to pray and ask God uh, where he would have us to go we prayed about Tanzania we I prayed about uh, Ethiopia, but I just didn't feel like that's where God was leading. And, and I just began to, I stopped naming countries for the Lord. I said, where do you want us to go? And again, that the Holy Spirit with that uh, still small voice, I want you to go where there's not very many missionaries. And so we began to pray and there were two countries that, that really kind of presented themselves. One was Namibia and the other one was Madagascar. And the more we began to pray, the more we began to see that Madagascar had been a forgotten country in the mission world. And, you know, now that we've been there a while, we see that there are more missionaries than what we thought. But a lot of those missionaries are in aviation or medical missions, not really very many church planters. And I'm not just talking about Baptist people. The Assembly of God, there's not a lot of Assembly of God missionaries there. There's not a lot of independent or Southern Baptist missionaries there, you know, for the size of the island. Uh, it is in need of of missionaries, and so uh, that's where uh, where we begin to make our uh, set our plans to. And God has opened the doors the the whole way. That's great. So tell us a little bit about where you live at, uh, the people that are around you there. Uh, give us a little bit of a, a life in the day of a long family in Madagascar. You want to answer that? Um, it starts early when they start hammering on the tin roof next door and, and it doesn't stop. No, um, yeah, we live in the capital city. The capital is right in the middle of the island. The island is huge. It's about the size of Texas. So um, Tana or Antenna Narivo is how, is how they say it. Um, it has over 9 million people and we are very close to the airport. It's a nicer part of town and we live on a compound with uh, four other houses that has a guard so we we're pretty safe um, but as you know it's a very poor country so in our home it's very peaceful and we go out the gate and people are begging and everything that you can imagine that a human needs most people need there so when we're home we relax when we go out um, the begging starts, the, you know, you always have to be on guard, but we have fallen in love with these people because not all of them are like that. You see that from a Western perspective. Everybody's begging, everybody's hungry, everybody's poor, but when you get to know them, you see their heart and they are just like us. They want to feed their kids, they want to provide a roof over their head, and they want to know the meaning of life, and that's where the gospel comes in. Now, I will say we have... Uh uh, good stores that we can shop in. Um, we choose not to shop in the local markets just because I, I don't like getting sick. Uh, but, uh, but when we go shopping, I mean, it's a, it's an all day thing. There's nothing that goes fast there. There is no 
quick trips to the supermarket or the store or anything. So, I mean, and, and I will say one of the things I didn't, um, didn't anticipate is, you know, when, when we first went there, you know, when we go somewhere coming back and just being exhausted because you're, you've got to be on your toes. You've got to, I mean, not just because somebody may pickpocket you or try to rob you, but there's no lines in the roads to drive. And so you've got to be paying attention all the time. So that way you don't hurt somebody, somebody doesn't hurt you. And, um, and so that's, um, but I wouldn't change it for anything. So do you have your own driver's license then? Do you, or do you Uber or? No, that's a good question. There's no such thing as Uber there. Uh, Man, I was, but you know, when we first got there, we lived the first several months there without a a car. Um, And the positive thing, a lot of the other missionaries thought we were weird for doing that, but we learned how to live like the Malagasy. We took the, the taxi the buses places or we we hired a taxi to take us but the lord opened a door with an assembly god missionary he was selling a toyota land cruiser and again i wasn't planning on buying a car anytime soon but about the the last time that we were walking on the sidewalk and a guy drove up and almost hit val i thought you know it's it's time to get a car and so god opened that door and and yeah we do have a car now and my driver's license, I don't think, is going to expire. My Malagasy license isn't going to expire until like 2050-something. That's right. So you got a good long run. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You should be good to go. <laughs> well, how can we be an encouragement to you as a church family as you, uh, you know, been there for four or five years now and as you're processing going back, coming back, you know, for a few months and then heading back? How can we encourage you? What's the best way that we can encourage you as a family, as individuals? Do you want to say anything? Let me just start by saying the worship service this morning has already encouraged yeah. me. That um, The second song you sang, I was just, the words of that just really touched my heart. It is amazing. I mean, we worship there and we sing their songs, but when you can worship in your own heart language, that is a huge encouragement. And so I was over there kind of crying. <laughs> feeling like a weirdo because that is yes, we cry a huge at this church so it's all right yeah. <laughs> crying's a good thing so um, yeah you don't realize um, how tired you are until you can relax and truly relax and so just what you've already done for us and and putting us in a nice place to stay and welcoming us in this morning and and when you don't have to think to communicate to somebody that's a huge relaxing thing for us so we really appreciate you having us here the reality is that Antioch has been so good to us over the years, and we are so appreciative. But if if you guys will continue to pray with us, and I think one of my biggest prayer requests, you know, we put out a, every, at the beginning of the year, I like to put out a video of our goals, and, and I do some short-term goals, and I do long-term goals. And one of our long, long-term goals is to get more missionaries there especially church planting missionaries I there's not a place on that island that I go where there's not a need and I'm not saying that that there's not Christians there but a lot of a majority of people that that claim to follow Jesus they're syncretistic in that they they mingle their ancestor worship in with their Christian faith and and as you and I know uh, it is Christ and Christ alone that brings salvation and and so you know we have an enormous amount of people that go to church on Sunday. They'll sing the worship on Sunday morning, but on Monday they've got trinkets and everything to ward off the evil ancestors and stuff. And, and there's no way, there's no possible way that we can do all that work alone. And so we are asking God over the next five years to send five church planting missionary families. And if you could be praying about that, not only praying that God would send, but maybe, hey, God is... Is this, is this a place where you could use me? Um, we were 40 years old when we began this, um, this uh, uh, walking this path with the Lord. And, and I'm just going to tell you, Matt, first of all, Madagascar is not a bad place to live. But, um, you know, God, it doesn't matter how old you are. God can, God can still use you on the mission field. How can we uh, know more about your ministry? Do you have a newsletter you sent out, Facebook? How do you mention that? Every year you post a video. Where can we get more information about 
Yeah, if you go by our table, um, you can get a prayer card. It has our email address okay. on there and our website. And um, you can go to our website and sign up to receive our newsletters. Um, and we send them out. We send out newsletters every two to three months. Um, try to do a video update as well because we understand that people want to see the pictures and want to. Um, people are just visual, and so we really try to get vi videos out. And and we don't have to. Um, do what we do in secret, so you're welcome to share that with anybody. Yeah, um, yeah so please sign up to receive our newsletters. We'd love to hear from you, um, hear how we can also pray for you, because we realize this is a partnership. We don't Amen. want people just to pray for us. We really want to pray for you as well. Great. Well, hey, so after the service today, their booth is in the Antioch Cafe area, so make sure you swing by, grab their uh, prayer card, get signed up so you can know what's going on and be praying uh, for these things. So I'd like to pray over you. And then, Phil, you're going to bring a word to us here from the word. And I look forward to, to hearing from you. Let's pray together, church family. Uh, Father, it is it's humbling um, to have an opportunity to pray over Phil and Val alone. Thank you for the gift of prayer that uh, we can come before you, no matter if they're sitting in the room with us today or they were at their ministry in Madagascar, we can come before you and know that you hear us. So thank you for being a father who's made a way for us to come as your children to you through Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to pray over them and to hear Vala talk about just worshiping you this morning and the joy that that brought to her heart, the encouragement. I, I thank you, Lord, for that good reminder for us as a church to not take for granted what we get the opportunity to do week after week together as a church family. I thank you for Phil and the, the vision that you're giving him and have given him for the ministry there and the desire to see in the next five years you send five missionaries to come plant churches in the capital and beyond in Madagascar there. And so we ask, first of all, that you would send laborers from our church to that cause, that you would put on the hearts of people sitting in these seats today to go to Madagascar. And I pray that if it's not from our church, that from other churches, from other ministries, that you would see this vision, this goal that you've given, Phil, that we would see it come about for your honor and your glory and the advancement of your fame. I pray that you would strengthen Phil and Vala's inner person. I pray that you would give them the wisdom and the understanding that they need in the days ahead for them. I pray for Deacon, their son, as he uh, begins to navigate colleges and where you would have him to go and what you would have him to do with his life. I pray that you would direct his steps I pray that the place that you lead him would increase his faith and it would increase your using of him as well. And so, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to hear from them today, to hear their story. And I pray now as Phil opens your word that we would say, as Moses said, here I am. And Lord, may you speak to us today through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you all for, like I said earlier, for all you've done for us over the years, and I thank you for having us. I know there's some people watching online, and I just want to welcome you, but also maybe our girls back in Madagascar might be watching us, and so I just want to say hello, and, and we miss you. I hope you're taking care of my house. Um, I'm going to make a statement, and it's going to be kind of harsh, but the reality is, is since all this COVID stuff has started, I guess the thing that I have heard over and over again is, man, our, it's like our world has lost its mind. Um, and, you know, I can talk about the world, but really I want to talk about our country here in the United States. And, and here's the statement. Like I said, I know it sounds, it sounds harsh, but I believe um, one of our culture's biggest problems is the church. And I believe the biggest, and I believe the church's biggest problem is that the light of evangelism has almost gone out. In other words, today's churches have not been good stewards 
of the gospel. Turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And before we read the, the passage, let me see if I can help you understand what I'm talking about by asking you some questions. First question, what is Chick-fil-A in the business of doing? That's exactly right. Chicken sandwiches. They're in the business of making chicken sandwiches. Yes, I know that there are other things on the menu, but their primary focus has always been the chicken sandwich. What about Boeing? What are they in the business of doing? Making airplanes. Uh, Along that same line, what about American United and Delta Airlines? What do they do? That's right. They they're in the, the flying people business. Uh, if you ever wonder why air, airline food is not great, it's because they're not in the restaurant business. They're in the, the flying people business. Now, let me ask you this question. What business is the church in? That's, that's good, discipleship. I mean, this may rub some people the wrong way. Some people uh, might say, well, well, Phil, the church is not a business. The church is, is the bride of Christ. It's a, it's a living organism. And to that, I would say you're right. But just as every business has a purpose, so does the church. Jesus himself in all four gospels and in the book of Acts gave the church its purpose. In in Matthew 28 uh, verses 18 and 20, Jesus said, go and make disciples. In Mark 16, 15, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. In Luke 24, 47, Jesus said, repentance and remissions of, of, of sin should be preached in his name to all nations. And then John writes in the 20th chapter of his gospel, as Jesus said, as my father has sent me, so send I you. Then again in Acts 1.8, just before the resurrected, resurrected Christ ascended into heaven, he commands us to be witnesses of him in all the earth. Jesus is telling us the church is to evangelize the world. So I ask you again, what business is the church in? We're in the people business. We're in the gospel giving business. Church, we are in the evangelism business and the church shines brightest through evangelism. Now, I I love the church. However, all too often, while the church may be busy at work, in many cases, it has forgotten its primary purpose, which is evangelism. I know when I was on staff at, a, at Abundant Life, one of the ministries underneath me was our food pantry. And I used to have to constantly tell our workers, because our, our volunteers, they would, they would see, uh, we, we called them clients coming in to, to, to get food, and they would see these clients come in and they'd, they'd have brand new cell phones. Some of them would have nice cars and, and you know, they'd be smoking outside in the parking lot. And, and people said, well, if they got, you know, money for cigarettes, you know, they ought to have money to buy food. And I have to remind our, our volunteers, hey, we're not in the feeding people business. We're in the, we're in the gospel giving business. And the food pantry is just one of our many tools that we use to evangelize. And in Madagascar, we use a tool uh, and it's one of our one of our best tools so far. We, you saw we use the tool of of feeding rice and and beans. But one of our biggest tools that we've used so far is our English classes. Uh, we have people that that are lined up to take uh, to take these these English classes, but but they are not our primary purpose. Many times we ask a, a church in our culture, "What is it that that you guys do?" and and some may say, well, we're, we're big into politics or civil rights. That's, that's really what we push. Uh, we need, uh, we need the, uh, we feed the poor. We, we help the sick. And these are all good things, right? If there's one thing our world needs, it's social betterment. To be honest with you, in Madagascar, we do some of this as well. But without evangelism, social betterment may come for a while, but eventually you end up right back where you started. But when we focus on evangelism, church, it's, it's plain and simple. Social betterment will only last when it is a byproduct of evangelism. Now, in our passage today, we see Paul addressing some issues affecting the church in Corinth. Since his departure, one or more people have infiltrated the church with an agenda. 
it is believed that these particular people were legalistic Judaizers. They not only cast down on Paul's apostolic qualifications, but they were attempting to steer the church into a different direction. Instead of the freedom that the gospel gives us, these false apostles were attempting to bring the church back under the bondage of the law. So Paul, never afraid of confrontation, lays it out in chapter 3. And we see in, in chapter 3, verse 16, Paul says, It is not the law, but Jesus that brings salvation. The law shows us our need for a Savior, but it is the sacrifice of Jesus that frees us from our sins. And that's where we come to verse 1 of chapter 4. Read this with me. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God... Uh, who, who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I love this reminder we see in verse five and six. Again, it is Christ that brings people to salvation. We are merely the tools that he chooses to use to do so. Now, as the church, that's what we do. When we as the church fail to shine through the light of evangelism, when we fail to be good stewards of the gospel, the church flounders. Uh, it withers and eventually it, it will die. But when the church shines the light of evangelism, the world can be turned upside down. And so this morning, I want, I want us to see what happens when the church shines the light of evangelism. And the first thing I want to point out, the church that shines a light through, uh, through evangelism, it impacts individuals. It impacts individuals. Now, I don't want to assume that everyone here this morning knows what I'm talking about. So let me add here that there is a reason for evangelism. And the reason the church is a shine through evangelism is because there is a great need. You know, it's not just Madagascar where there's people everywhere that need the gospel. There's people right here, everywhere, here in Kansas City, in the Kansas City area that need the gospel. And some of you may not be aware of this, but all people are separated from God because of sin. Matter of fact, turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Paul explains in Romans chapter 5 verse 12 through one man sin entered the world. That man was Adam, the first man of the human race. Paul continues to write through one man sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sin, all means all, everyone has sinned so there is a, a great need. The other reason the church is to shine through evangelism is because the church has the answer. What does Paul say in Romans 6, 23? For the, for the wages or the punishment of sin is death, but the gift of God is life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now read with me, if you will, what Paul says in chapter 5, verses 8 through 11. Verse 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Family members, can I just say that sin is a disease that leads to not only physical death, but spiritual death. Amen. 
And as the church, we have the cure, and that cure is Jesus Christ. We have the cure, but, but what do we do with it? Now flip over to Romans chapter 10, just a few pages. Romans chapter 10. Listen to what Paul says in verses 12 through 15. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings and good things. Now, let me just point out here, when people see that word preacher, they immediately think, well, that's, that's the pastor. That's not me. This passage is not just for those in full-time vocational ministry. No, preacher in this passage is anyone who can communicate. That, that's the purpose of the church and our purpose as followers of Christ. So when we shine through evangelism, we have a positive impact that extends throughout all eternity. And that impact, it starts with individuals. You know, my first teaching experience came up in Washington, D.C. when I was in the Marine Corps. I, I started working with youth and, and my pastor, he put me in charge of, of teaching junior high kids. And, and the first day I was supposed to speak, he was doing this series. He wanted the whole church to do this series on the apostles. And the first, uh, the first apostle that we, that we learned about, that we taught that Sunday was Peter. And I wanted to be just like Peter. So I was, I was excited. I was motivated. Um, I, I was going to go in there and I was going to impress all these middle school students. And I get in there and I'm going to tell you something. Those kids, those teen little teeny kids ate me alive. I'm a United States Marine and they spit me out. And I, I was so upset that I had to have validate. I couldn't stay for the service. I mean, they, they just, they bullied me. <laughs> and you know, I went home that week and the next apostle was, was Andrew. And so I began to pray and, and, and I just felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me, you know, cause I, I, I thought I was, you know, I'm going to, I want to be the next Billy Graham, you know, and, and I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, Phil, before I would ever trust you with thousands like Peter, you've got to be willing to lead people one by one. You see, Andrew, Peter led people to the Lord by the thousands, but Andrew led people to the Lord one by one. And it was Andrew who introduced Peter to the Lord. If, if, uh, in scripture, we find records of large groups of people impacted with the gospel through evangelism. However, what we see more of is how the light of the gospel impacts individuals. One of my favorite stories where we see an individual impacted is actually over in John chapter 4. Turn over there to John chapter 4. Jesus finds this outcast woman who nobody wants, nobody really loves. And through a short conversation, our Lord brings her to salvation. This is just one person, by the way, that's impacted through, one, one person that's impacted through evangelism, Matthew the tax collector, Saul of Tarsus, the Ethiopian eunuch, all are great examples of individuals who were impacted through evangelism. And here's the thing, in, in our culture, we as Americans, we want to do everything to the extreme. And, and I got to be honest with you, I'm the same, I'm the same way. I don't, I don't want to do anything halfway. To impact one person is fine and all, but if, if we don't reach crowds of people, we feel like failures. Listen, when we impact one person through evangelism, when individuals are impacted, inevitably what we see is a church will not only shine through impacting individuals, but uh, a church will begin to shine by impacting communities. Every one of these in individuals in the New Testament went on to impact 
others through evangelism. Paul's writings were written to churches that he had a hand in planting. Uh, History tells us that Matthew not only impacted people uh, through his account of the gospel, but uh, he gave his life for evangelism. Those individuals went on to impact others. And if you're still in John chapter 4, let's see what happens when Jesus impacts this woman at the well with the gospel. Read this with me in verse 28 to 30. The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all that things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and they came to him. This woman who nobody really wanted around goes and brings the whole community out to meet Jesus. And then in verse 39, it says, and many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. Don't you just love being around brand new believers? I'll never forget, we had this guy back in the Marine Corps. He's a big giant man. And uh, I had never seen this until I got in the Marine Corps, but he didn't have a tattoo. He had a brand and it was a big old S. And I asked him about it one day. He said, he said well, I was in the street gang and, and it was called the Gorillas. And I, the S is the silverback because I was the leader. This guy was huge. His name was Samuels. And, and, and one day somebody got a hold of Samuels and led him to Christ. And it just, it just impacted his life. So, so I come into our area where we're working one day and I didn't realize that Samuels had gotten saved, but there's two Marines that are much smaller than him up against the wall and Samuel's talking to him. I thought maybe they made him mad and I got closer and, and this is what he says. He says, he says, if you die today, do you know where you would spend eternity in, uh, <laughs> do you know where you'd spend eternity? And the, and the guys go, uh, no. And <laughs> And then Samuels gets nervous and he says, here, read this and you'll find out. And then he, he goes away. You know, I, I love being around people uh, that have just met Jesus. Someone impacted Samuels through evangelism and Samuels was determined to impact his small community, his small group of Marines through evangelism. Now I want to ask you a question. Where is your community? Many of us immediately think it's, it's, it's where we live and there's, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But can I just point out that times have, have changed? For some, where we live is not really our community anymore. As believers, it should be. We should make an effort to get out and build relationships with our neighbors so we can give them the gospel. But just think about this. 30, 40 plus years ago, we worked Played, we lived in our community. But in today's world, uh, where we live is, is not actually where we live, it's just where we sleep. I know when I was in Lee Summit, it, I think they, we called it a bedroom community, just where we, where we sleep. And uh, the community we live in, is, is, uh, many times it's, it's where we work, um, it's, 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 it's where our kids play sports, it's, it's where they go to school. And it's time that we come to the realization that We live in a multi-community culture and it's our job to be the salt and light in every community that we're a part of. You know, one of the communities that that we tried to impact when I was on staff at Abundant Life was our our local police department. Some people will say, well, that's not a community. And I'm just going to tell you, it is. And let me tell you, it's, it's not easy Uh, for an outsider to get into that community. Yet with time and effort, uh, that community began to be impacted with the gospel. Another was our local school system. That was something that really just, I knew God wanted us in our school system. I I remember having a conversation, God, I don't know how we're going to do this. Our youth pastors can't even go and eat lunch with the kids. I don't know how we're going to get in the schools, but God opened a door and, and it started out with, with a couple pastors eating lunch with at-risk kids every month. And the next thing you know, before we left the staff, we had volunteers from our churches in all, and from our church in all of our schools in the Lee Summit area. And after I left, the guy that took my place got a call from one of the schools and, 
And apparently the principal had read this book called The Circle Maker. And so she, and, and it just impacted her life. And she asked one of the pastors to come pray over the school. We were able to, to impact the school and it wasn't just our kids. Listen, when, when we shine the light of evangelism, it impacts individuals. And when individuals are impacted, then we begin to see communities impacted. And when the light of, of, of evangelism impacts communities, that's when we see that it begins to impact nations. And I just say the reason that we're still talking about this man called Jesus is because one person after another has been impacted with the gospel. One community after another has been impacted for Jesus. And when people are changed, then communities change. And when communities change, then so does the nation. Now, I believe it's quite obvious that the closer this world gets to the second coming of Christ, the further away our nation is gonna walk away from him. But we have to ask ourselves, why is that? Church family, it's, it's obvious. Too many churches today have departed from their primary purpose. Some churches have compromised doctrinally, allowing modern culture to dictate where and what they stand on. Some churches, they love the Lord, but evangelism has really taken a back seat to all the other activities that they do. You know, for, for the, the years that I was at our church at Abundant Life, we had several great ministries. We had a huge children's ministry, uh, a huge youth ministry. I mentioned earlier our ministry to our local first responders in our public schools. You know, uh, every year, uh, one, of the, one of the biggest headaches but biggest blessings at the same time was our, our giant kids carnival that, that, uh, that we had. But uh, and, and then even before I left, we developed a, a first impressions team, getting people, first time guests from the, the street to the seat. Almost every day there was some sort of Bible study going on on our campus. And, you know, the fact is these are all great things, but they're not who we are. These things are not our purpose. These things were tools in our belt to help the church accomplish its primary task of impacting the world through evangelism. And so many churches around America today have lost sight of that. And as a result, you know, sometimes they hold on to, to ministries that were one time great, but no longer effective in reaching people for Christ. You know, why hold on to something that doesn't work anymore? Church, I, I, don't, I don't know everything, but one of the things I'm very sure of is this, the answer to our country's problems lies in the church house, not in the White House, no matter who's sitting there. Listen, when individuals are impacted by evangelism, then we begin to see communities impacted by evangelism. And when communities are impacted by evangelism, it begins to impact the whole nation. And when a nation is impacted, then a church that will shine through evangelism begins to impact the world. You know, thank you so much. Former, former missionary and author Don Richardson details in his book, Lords of the Earth and the Peace Child. If, if you ever get a chance to read those books, they are, they are life, life changing. I love those books. But um, he talks about how missionaries were sent to cannibalistic Papua New Guinea. This was hard deadly work but first one person then another and before too long entire an entire community entire tribe felt the impact of the gospel and while there's still there's still a need in Papua New Guinea it has come a long way why because churches right here in the United States and other places around the world shined shined their light of evangelism around the world all the way to Papua New Guinea and now one day Hopefully, Papua New Guinea will be doing the same thing. The church is, is growing like wildfire in China. Why? Because churches right here are shining the light of the gospel in China by sending missionaries and sending Bibles into that country. And the reason I'm here is to report to you that because you have shined the light of evangelism in Madagascar by making sure Val and I could go over there, people have been saved, a church has been planted, and, and I, we're 
seeing, beginning to see that island start to be impacted for Christ. A church that impacts people, uh, churches impact people they don't even know. People they can't even see, but they're impacting them with the gospel. And as a result, through the light of the gospel, they are impacting the entire world. So as I finish, I want to do so by asking this question, what is the business of the church in America? The church is in the business of evangelism. It is our hope and prayer that each and every one of you have been impacted with the gospel. But if you have been impacted for the cause of Christ, then I want to challenge you to go out and shine that light of evangelism to others. To impact even just one person could mean that you impact a community and not just a community, but a nation, maybe even the world. Would you pray with me? Lord, I come to you today and I just thank you for this church, Lord, the, a church that is willing to impact individuals. And God, that individuals who are willing to go out and impact their communities. And God, this, this church, I'm so thankful they have had such a reputation, not only uh, supporting church planters around our country to, to reach other communities and other, other areas, other states, Lord, but Lord, their, their reputation for supporting worldwide missions, impacting people that most likely they will, they will never see until, until they're in heaven. God, I pray that you would continue to use this church in that way. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody in here today that does not know you as their savior, Lord, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. And God, I pray, God, I pray that there would be somebody in here that would be willing to go. Lord, if not to Madagascar to come help us, Lord, maybe there, maybe you would take them somewhere else, but God, that that they would feel that call to shine that light in other nations. And Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity to be here so that we can promote how your gospel impacts this world. God, we love you and we thank you. And I pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. You're always welcome at Antioch. If you desire more information, please go to AntiochBBC.org. That's AntiochBBC.org. God's best to you.